0: The Momcast is brought to you by Mid Ohio Pediatrics. Once Upon a Child, an advanced aesthetic and laser surgery. Mom, Mama, Mommy. It's the Momcast with your hosts Mindy Dreer, Michaela Hunt, and Stacy McKay. Mom, I need you! Welcome back to another edition of our momcast. Mindy Dreyer alongside Michaela Hunt, Stacy McKay. Hello, did you guys have a good Hi. week? Pretty good, yeah. You know <laughs> the busy usual
1: stuff. Yeah, that's what you know. Anytime you ask a mom that, right? You get it's out. always
0: a good week. <sighs> yeah, good week. Always busy. Though. Always busy. Um, we have a busy show ahead today. We're going to talk about <gasps> Marsha, 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 <Marcia. laughs> Marsha Brady. Isn't just a Marsha Brady daughter now. She's mom. She is a mom, and of course, she's
1: on Dancing with the Stars, and she is very. We're excited to talk to her because she's going to talk about being a mom and having to talk with her daughter about all the struggles she went through with drug abuse yeah. and, I mean, really some some interesting things
0: to discuss. So we will hear from her. Also, you will be amazed at all the new research that is being conducted right now concerning breast cancer. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so we are discussing that. And a big question for all of you out there. Do you have... An entitled kid. Are mm-hmm. you raising
2: entitled children? I think, and I and I think you know we want to answer it one way, but when you look at their behavior, we might be seeing something else. Society Probably. today
0: has a bunch of entitled children. There's um, a new article out that really gives us great advice on how to raise less entitled, kinder kids. You're going to like this article, and we're going to discuss it as well. Stacy, if you remember a couple weeks ago. We opened up, and we were talking about how we had kind of a bad parent episode when we thought, oh, our kids are okay. They fell. They're all right. Right. Ended up being not so because both of our kids broke bones mm-hmm.
2: we and were talking about being uh, you know a little bit overprotective at times and you two who i i call you i call you my helicopter moms we you are you are i mean it's the <laughs> truth we're, we're like
0: totally you know okay with it but we had that moment each yeah. of us mm-hmm. where we oh, thought you're
1: fine you, you look okay. okay exactly you know, you suck gotta, it up you gotta be tough suck, suck it, it up it moves. Yeah.
0: And, and we were wrong and both of our daughters ended up breaking mine was the elbow olivia's was
1: her, her wrist in her two wrist. places. So right. Mom of the Year awards different years for um, Stacy and
0: for, for myself. But Thank guess you. what? Michaela can join our club now. What?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my week really has been a... Okay. It really, really has been because Logan, we were heading to dinner with another couple that I'm friends with, but the rest of my family doesn't know. And they have two little girls that are the boys' ages. Um, I picked... Christian up from daycare, and Logan was with me, and in 20 seconds, in the time that it took to turn around, give Christian a hug, and then say hi to the teachers, (laughs) Logan scaled the front of their playground and fell, or jumped. We can't decide which one it is. Probably in
0: between. Somewhere
2: in between, and when I turned around, he's crying, and one of his wrists is down like this, and the other one is, you know, his other arm is flat. And I thought of you two immediately, <laughs> like you you two actually
1: were the first Stacey, two little bobbleheads in my, my mind father,
2: because I was sitting there thinking this really could be broken. So I went and got an ice pack. I looked at it, checked in with the director and I was like, well, let's just wait and see just for a little bit. So we waited about a half an hour and he cr- he was crying. And by the time we made it up to the area where we were going, Marcus met us in a parking lot and he'd been able to move it. Logan had been able to move it to that point, but it was just crying and the crying mm. was Soft, kind of whimpering. And then when we got there and he put his two hands out, and when we asked him to move the wrist up and down, he couldn't do it. So I said, Okay, it's time. We got to, somebody's got to take him in for an x ray. So we did. But thank God you guys, you know, really had had this conversation with me because you know me. And I'm not a helicopter. And I might have just said, oh, it's fine. It's totally fine. You're going to be okay. Just give it some time. Let's have this ice pack on it. There was a little wet sponge, which I thought was so smart that the daycare <laughs> puts okay. in a little plastic baggie and freezes. Oh, yeah. You, great to use for that kind of thing. Um, I might have just said, hey, go with it. Um but no, you guys. So you our my head. bad
0: mother moments helped Michaela out. Is tr- basically what she's saying. It <laughs> truly States.
2: did. So he's going to get his hard cast today. He's in a soft cast right now. He just has a small fracture on his wrist. Mm-hmm. And of course, the kids at school think he is the coolest. Oh yeah, he
1: probably thinks he is the coolest too. That is awesome. It's awesome to have it. It breaks our hearts. But I mean, once they get over the initial, oh, I broke something, then it's like, ooh, ooh look right. Look how cool I am I'm And you, popular. Can you can get it signed.
0: You get it signed. And casts these days are so different. You can pick out different colors, oh, different yeah. designs. Oh, he wanted me to
1: tell you, ladies, because he
2: knew that we'd had a conversation. He didn't know the whole thing. I'm supposed to tell you he's getting a blue cast. Oh, nice. That's what he's
1: up to.
0: He's My daughter a blue got cast. the color of your shirt pink. pink. Yeah, th- that
1: exact color of
0: pink. Kimmy had, pink. it was over the summertime. And so she had a red, white, and blue Stars and Stripes cast at one point. She had a couple different ones. But yeah, it was kind of oh, well. so. Yeah, the the
2: lesson is that I learned from you two is you know it might not necessarily look like a break, but there's a very good chance with a risk that it could be. So I learned that from you. So well, that's I'm, what so I can share. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. you are wisdom, older, guys, guys. Yeah. and wiser
0: than Michaela, right, Stacey? Yeah, it, it,
1: but half are. of that's true. <laughs> I don't know. If She's 100% not sure of on the other true. half. Right. Yeah, we're definitely older.
0: Um, I'm saying wiser. But
1: no, I, you know what? Yes, I'm glad our bad experience could help. See, that's why we share. That's, moms, you yes. don't, you're not always perfect. No, and uh, that's what we're here to show you. <laughs> that moms that. can be flawed and still be okay, and and we can
2: all learn lessons from exactly. it. Exactly, yes, completely true
0: okay something else that we're talking about today i thought this article was really interesting it was put out by the washington post and it's called how to raise kinder less entitled kids in parentheses it says according to science so they dedicated a group of researchers to look into this topic because basically there are a lot of entitled kids out there these days and the article starts out by basically giving an example of parents took a family to an amusement park all day first of all spending a lot of money on the tickets mm-hmm. just to get inside to this amusement park and then spent the whole day buying them all types of food and then games and then on the way home one of the kids said hey can we stop for ice cream and the parents were like no we're just gonna go straight home it was a busy day and the son or daughter was like oh, we don't get to do anything it's not fair and oh, automatically wow. it was like, are you kidding me? But realistically, that's how a lot of kids are living these days. So the suggestion in this article is basically don't give your kids so much so early because then they just start to expect it. What do you guys think?
2: Do you remember, did, did you guys have the Bernstein Bears around or did mm-hmm. you ever read them to I, your yeah. daughter? So there was a book, one of their books is called The Gimmies. And if you remember it, it really bright, has like bubble gum ball jars and all this stuff. And it's about these kids who just want everything. And I think I see it happen all the time, I think, with Logan and Christian saying, well, why aren't we doing this? When We've had an immensely fun day and we've done a bunch of things. Part of me thinks that because they're exposed to so much and that they – you know, see so much they just think, oh, this is normal. I'm supposed to be able to experience all these things. Does it make it right? No. But I think they just see more than we did when we were their age. And there's more available. There's more options, you know, in terms of products and fun things to do. That's kind of my take on it.
1: Well, I will say that um, we get we have a stereotype that has been very difficult for me as a mom. This is like a very touchy subject. Because I work really hard to not, despite the fact, I know we've talked about I got her a cell phone. I work really hard not to give my child everything because she's an only child. And we found in as early as preschool, there were teachers even that treated her differently because they just made assumptions about her as an only child. That, oh, well, clearly she is an entitled child and will probably give us some Issues. I mean, that was something someone said to you me. Had, you had, before te- wow. she even started. People made assumptions.
3: Huh. Wow. People made
1: assumptions. So I've always been really careful about that. Uh-huh. When Liv was growing up, um, I bought clothes on eBay. That child did not have anything new after firstborn. You know, when everybody her mom gives you stuff,
0: but she did. she didn't. <laughs> no.
1: I I have worked really hard. Everything that the child has gotten, including her phone, is secondhand or thirdhand or forth and there's nothing wrong because with that. we fight that and I right. always feel like I'm apologizing because people make assumptions oh an only child well you know I really try I had a very wise teacher who, who was very wise about it and said live is fine but she said this sometimes the it's not the things that you give them that spoil kids it's things like meeting their needs and most moms are very anxious to do that. In other words, if the baby's crying, you pick up the baby. Or, if give, they, them, or give them a bottle, they whatever it is. Right. And they, you know, hurt their knee. Oh, let mommy kiss it. And that's your, your natural inclination. And she was saying, don't ignore her. But just every once in a while, disappoint her. And I've always taken that to heart. And it's the same thing. If we go somewhere, we're at an amusement park, we don't get anything extra. Because... That's what we're doing.
2: So are you the mom that, like, packs the snacks?
0: I do. When Mm -hmm. you go to the amusement park? I absolutely do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's a lot cheaper that Mm -hmm. way.
2: It It is. It truly is. Sometimes I run out of time to pack everything that I want to pack. And so maybe my gimme issue has to do with I need to be a better planner at the front end.
1: Right. And sometimes it is. It's us. And really, you know, that's who they gear it toward anyway, right? When we say there are entitled children, who are we pointing the finger at? Right. Mom and dad, right? We're pointing it to mom and dad, so it is our responsibility. Speaking of, I
2: have a kid in here right now. I'm going to go turn down the yeah, volume. Yeah, I was wondering where that was coming. From.
0: Well, you go do that and I'll speak my I opinion say on anything. this <laughs> because I would say this. Um, I have tried their whole lives not to have entitled kids and they will always compare what they have right? and what they don't have to their friends. And we were the same way, Stacy. where I would not purposely give them the cell phone, give them the Xbox, do all the Wii stuff, because I didn't want them to become entitled. And I have raised them with the belief, and I have told them, Kylan and Cameron, the most important thing that I can give you is my time. And I give them that. And I think they're finally getting to the point where they're starting to appreciate that, because I am with them all the time. And they're 15 and 14. And that's just how we live. But I do see... Kids these days, they are entitled, and it drives me crazy. My kids can definitely be entitled, and I I remind them, "Uh uh-uh, no way. And in this article, the other thing it tells parents to do is take your kids to a soup kitchen. Have them volunteer. Let them become uh, more of a human as far as a kinder, gentler heart toward other people so it's not always about them right But well, you right. put other people first
2: and and I think to do that to make sure that we're sharing that idea with them and, and suggesting that and pushing them that direction we have to slow down just like I have to slow down to pack my snacks to go to the right. amusement parks right. we actually have to slow down and take a step back and take time for that and take time to be really intentional I guess about either of those examples that both of you all talked about you know
0: yeah. And if, if this works and if we start doing this as a society, we will raise kids who are in turn happier. They're happier with themselves because they don't expect everything all the time. So if we lear- if we teach that and the kids learn that earlier, then it's just going to springboard into the rest of their lives. And then hopefully they'll raise their kids that way. Don't give your kids everything but
2: but let me ask you this what is the line don't give your kids anything i mean rights, right <laughs> don't give your don't give yeah, your kids anything yeah. give your kids everything like where is the line like
0: you know i think you tough. have to decide that i think that's a a personal basis kind of a thing but
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's that's up for grabs with other people can chime in and say but i think in your heart you know whether you're giving your kid absolutely everything that they're asking for or draw, hold, hold back a little bit.
2: Well, I, th- I think we went to a pumpkin patch last weekend, and I mean, literally, we're there from two to six, so long afternoon there. Snacks, every kind of jumping on the trampoline, going on the hayride, everything you could possibly imagine. And then on the way home, it was so. Where are we going to dinner? See what I mean. And. You had to explain, well, that wasn't necessarily what we planned on doing, but again, was not prepared. And we got back a little bit later. So we ended up we did go to dinner, but I should have just taken him home and made him like, you know, turkey sandwiches. That's what I should have done. Um, So
1: I think it's hard. It is. I think it's harder to your point. It's harder to raise children that way. Because the easy way is to just give it to them. Absolutely. You see it a lot. And if it shuts them up. <laughs> you're in a grocery store. You're in a clothing store, toy store. When your child starts, what is the harder thing to do? It's to say no, no. and finish what you're doing. Yeah. The easy tough thing love. is to say, here you go. All right. right, you can have this. And so it's harder. It re- it's hard yeah. on yep. parents to do it because it's not your natural inclination. So you're fighting it, too. Well, she's on Dancing with the Stars right now, and she is doing really, really well. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Ooh! Ma- Maureen McCormick, maybe you grew up with her, maybe your parents grew up with her. Maybe you did some Nick at Night with her. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I grew up with her. I loved your hair when <laughs> I was a kid. I just loved it. Um, she is a mom, and she also has been very forthcoming about her issues with alcohol and drugs when she was growing up, yeah. and now as a mom having to talk with her daughter about that and get her daughter to understand, you know, what that really meant uh, for her mom. So um, she shares that with us today. We're excited to talk with Maureen McCormick. First of all, thank you for joining us.
3: Well, thank you for having me.
1: Appreciate your time. And I have to tell you, watching you on Dancing with the Stars, just phenomenal job.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I was scared to death. (laughs) coming into the show, but I just felt in my heart that it was something that I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I wanted to take this journey. I wanted to learn how to dance and to feel beautiful and to be a part of a show that I've been a fan of forever. And it's been amazing every step of the way.
1: Well I'm glad because I I feel like and you probably get this a lot. we grew up together. <laughs> I feel like I know you so to see you do that because I, I think the same thing would be such a, a cool thing to do and to watch you develop it just and as you said, feel beautiful, it looks beautiful and I mean my goodness, you you look like a professional dancer. So I feel like, Aww. you know, I feel like my sister is out there dancing <laughs> and um, you're doing so well. So first of all, I wanted to give you kudos for that. Um, now, we focus a lot um, on being moms and talk a lot about parenthood and all of that. And um, I know you have shared a lot about your personal life and your struggles Uh, In your book with alcohol and you talked about addiction very recently here on Dancing with the Stars, which I think is incredible. And I wanted to if it's okay, talk a little bit about being a mom, because I I haven't heard you talk a lot about that. And when
3: I and my greatest, it's been my greatest achievement.
1: (laughs) I feel the same way. I, I feel again, we're kind of like grown up together. I have one daughter as well. And um, I looked at some of the pictures of the two of you, and they just reminded me so much of me and the the way I put my arms around my daughter and hold her, and I can tell that you cherish her. I I have a question about growing up as you did on TV, and even though it wasn't a real family, with all those kids, six kids, did that ever in your mind, like, shape how you, you know, whether or not you wanted to have a big family or have kids at all?
3: You know, I think... I think what shaped me is, honestly, from the time I was, like, two or three years old, I, I had uh, three brothers, um, great parents, and it was just something that was one of my biggest dreams, mm-hmm. was was to be a mother, to get married, and, and you know, to be a mom. And um, I feel so proud of the woman that my daughter has become. She's got just one of the most beautiful hearts every day. uh, Every day, she actually teaches me things. She's very wise. She's um, just a beautiful soul. And I'm so proud of who she is.
1: Now, you have been pretty open In public and in your writing and in your speaking about your struggles um, as you were growing up, was that difficult knowing, you know, full disclosure, you know, so, so many times I think as parents we try to hide the bad stuff from our kids. Was that difficult keeping your daughter in mind? You know,
3: it's who I am. It's a part of my life experience and journey. And I feel that it's all a part of a struggle that I've had that's made me and shaped who I am today. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of how I've gotten through it and, and come to the other side and all the hard work I've had to do. And my daughter is, I think, in- incredibly protective of me and... Mm-hmm. um I've always been very, very honest, at but only when I felt that she was old enough to hear what my truth was.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I actually think that, um, that it's given her um, just a lot of information um, as to what to avoid and um, what can happen. And we celebrate our journeys together as women. We're very, very close. And our relationship is based on on just honesty and mm-hmm. and talking and communicating.
1: Oh, so, I love hearing that. And I, I'm going yeah. to probably venture that, that you said how proud you are you've made through these struggles. And, you know, you can use it as, you know, uh, life lessons for your daughter. I would say she's probably proud of you as well.
3: really is I mean my daughter's so proud of me (laughs) every day we talk if we don't see each other and um, yeah I it's just I'm I'm I love being a mother I love having Natalie in my life and and it's it's really I think my husband's and I our greatest achievement
1: yeah, it's tough to find anything, and it's interesting to hear someone who is a celebrity say that. It, it really, truly is tough to think of anything that is a bigger achievement than than our children.
0: Um, yeah, yep, it really is. So it was funny, a group of us were driving in the car to Bunko. We had Bunko last night, and the conversation started to come up about, oh, Botox, plastic surgery. And who's done what? Like that. Well, my friends, you got to remember, we're a little bit older and um the topic came out then i was really surprised that some of my friends are really getting this done on a regular basis because you would never know i take you would it never
2: know. Right. right yeah i had
0: no idea but it was a very uh, comfortable conversation and the, my friends who do it love it they absolutely love the results um and we are pleased that dr mcmahon one of the best plastic surgeons in central ohio is a sponsor now to momcast and I was telling my friends, go to him. He's one of the best. Um, everybody brags about him. So if you're thinking about plastic surgery or at least want to talk to Dr. McMahon about it, perhaps what's best for your body, give him a call. Facials, whatever. You know, he's got it all covered. Advanced Aesthetic, 614-459-0060. Again, it's 614-459-0060. Advanced Aesthetic.
2: You know, we did enough talking today about Logan and his wrist, and I'm so grateful to have a pediatrician that really (laughs) is there for me when Mm -hmm. I have questions. And, you know, we have a great group in our backyard that can answer those important questions the small ones about, okay, when do I need to get my flu shot to? Okay, who do I need to send my child to if they need to get their arm set after they've broken (laughs) it? Which was kind of my question. This week, I mean, you have to have good experts around you. So Mid-Ohio Pediatrics and Adolescents, great group that we've had the pleasure to work with here on MomCast. Just, they're experts at what they do. They have a range of topics we've talked about.
0: They do, and I can vow for them personally because my kids do go there, and they love every doctor that they see.
2: So if, if you're looking for a pediatrician, want somebody who is knowledgeable and has the ability to talk about a variety of things with you and your family, you've got to check out Mid-Ohio Pediatrics and Adolescents. Give them a call, 614-899-0000. Again, that's 614-899-0000.
1: Okay, I've already said, I admit it, I'm kind of cheap. I I, I look for bargains all the time. And I also admitted before we started talking on MomCast, um, I've been already doing some Christmas shopping. I try to do it through the year and just put things aside because I see something on sale. Again, I'm cheap. Um, So (laughs) that's why. But it gets pricey. I mean, you know, so what I do is I like to take all of Liv's clothes, old toys, Uh, equipment when she was younger and go to Once Upon a Child because they pay cash on the spot. On the spot. For what you bring in. So, no, it has to be in pretty good working order. It needs to be in good shape. But it really does come in handy. And I think sometimes we forget about that resource. um, that You know, you can actually walk out of there. Sometimes you can get something else your child might need. Or sometimes you could just go get a cup of coffee. It just depends. (laughs) Uh But either way, you're going to get something for all that stuff
2: that's sitting in your closet. In, In your closet, in your basement. I have a play table that I'm using as a wine glass holder currently so I might not turn that
1: one in I'll have to show you that picture but I have a lot of
2: other I stuff I could that give picture. them I
1: enjoyed that picture quite a bit I saw it so yeah do yourself a favor look through your closets and in the basement and head to Once Upon a Child they've got locations all around central Ohio and you can also find them online onceuponachild.com
2: Last week, we were talking a little bit about our experiences when it comes to mammograms, and we're we're sharing some of our personal stories. And you know, when it comes to... Early detection, it is key to fighting breast cancer. Absolutely, We know that. But, you know, there's so many changes still going on on kind of that research front. And we're still seeing people lose their lives to this disease. So we thought we would talk with Coleman Columbus today and Julie McMahon, their director for mission, about some goals they have moving forward and ways they're looking at continuing to fight this because it is a battle that still continues. So, Julie, thank you so much for joining us here on MomCast.
4: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So you'd mentioned
2: this big, bold goal that Komen kind of has taken on. It's something new. Tell us about that and why it's so critical.
4: So we know we made a lot of progress in 30 years. I know you guys have – we're just – Speaking about that and um, you know we know that early detection is very helpful but then when we do detect cancers at later stages we still are losing some women to breast cancer and uh, sometimes we don't find it an early stage or sometimes there's kinds of cancers that we can't find at early stage due to current limitations so we're really focused on driving forward building on what we've done so far which has been a lot um, the rate of death has gone down significantly in 30 years of work but now we're focused on reducing the number of of women who die from breast cancer in the U.S. by 50 percent in one decade. Um, so that is a really aggressive goal that we have set, and we know it will take a lot more than just Komen's leadership to make this happen, but we're willing to step forward and, and drive things past awareness to really saving lives.
0: How do you reach that goal? What do you do?
4: So, we have sort of two major approaches to this. We know that when people die from breast cancer, it's because of two major reasons. One's a lack of high quality care and access to that care. Um, and then the other major reason is a lack of treatments for some of the more aggressive and deadly forms of breast cancer. So, uh, we know sometimes people have metastasized, well, the only reason someone dies from breast cancer is because it's metastasized. Mm-hmm. So, we want to focus on uh, finding more and more treatments to um, make Those individuals' lives last as long as possible and have the highest quality of life as possible.
2: And we know individuals, I'm just thinking as you're talking about it, when it does metastasize, we all know individuals that that's happened with, Mm -hmm. that it started as that and gone somewhere else. and, Mm -hmm. And, you know, they end up dying from something that isn't necessarily breast cancer at the end, but began that way.
4: Correct. Right. And that. Yeah. And that's the definition of metastasis. It, mm-hmm. it often spreads first to the brain or bones, and so um, it's still a breast cancer at that point, and still acts like a breast cancer. But um, you know, some of the research we do in other kinds of treatments can help with that, but we want to make sure that we have better treatments for some of the things that are more likely to metastasize as well. Um, we just had a big breakthrough through a Komen-funded research study um, where we found out that some people don't benefit from chemotherapy, and so uh, mm. now we can save maybe 46%, 40 to 50% of um, of women from having to go through chemotherapy because their cancer wouldn't respond to that and instead might respond better to something else. And we've also just identified a new gene that is responsible for metastasis. So that presents a whole new opportunity to um, fight that kind of gene. Um, wow,
1: so the research is happening and it's getting somewhere.
4: It is. It's happening really quickly and it's refreshing when you do get the chance to talk to the people who are doing this research. Uh, Komen's invested a lot in funding young researchers because a lot of people, the money is in other places if you want to become a rich scientist. Um, and so we're focusing on keeping those brilliant minds in breast cancer research and that affects all cancers if, is essentially because a lot of breast cancer research has to do with other kinds of cancers too.
2: I've got to go back to this, Julie. Why? Why is chemotherapy not working for that? What did you say, 46% of women that have breast cancer, do they know why?
4: It's not that it's not working. There are certain kinds of – so when you you go to get chemotherapy, now the current treatment is that often you'll have chemo before surgery to to shrink the tumor. And when they're really slow-growing tumors, um, that's not necessarily always – Necessary, um, and they're trying to tease out who benefits the most from that, balanced against the the side effects, which are obviously terrible for a lot of a lot of women. Um, and so, what we've gotten to the point is you can test someone's individual tumor type um, because you know we, we, there's lots of kinds of different breast cancers, um, but also each person's tumor they can genetic type now to figure out. What's their risk of actually having a recurrence? So do we even need to do chemo? And then would this specific chemo combination even work for the type of cancer cells that they have that are unique to their body? So what now they can do is look at you for your clinical risk of recurrence, and then they can look at your, your genetic risk for recurrence. And if both of those are high, then you would still benefit from chemotherapy. And then if both of those are low, or even if you traditionally would have gotten chemo, because you're at high clinical risk, but now we know you're genetically not at risk, then you wouldn't just benefit as much. So what they found is they compared those two groups of people, and people who went without ended up surviving just as long and having just as good of outcomes as people who didn't.
0: The bottom line is research has definitely come a long way, and it used to be if you heard the words, you have breast cancer, you thought of the death sentence, and it's just not that way anymore.
4: Absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, even comparing individual stories of treatment are so different now because this is precision medicine is what it's called and, you know, your treatment is going to be personalized to you. So if, you know, you know we often know stories of what we think are the, the typical treatments of, you know, surgery, chemo, radiation, whatever order, and they're starting to find better ways to use those tools specifically based on your specific case, which sort of comes back to our second main pillar of health equity because we want to make sure that every. Everyone's getting access to getting the, you know, being able to make those decisions and having those decisions offered to them appropriately. And if you don't know what kind of questions to ask or how to advocate for yourself in this very complicated healthcare world, it's easy to get lost and not get the best available treatment. And so that's why we're really focused on the local level, which is a pretty unique thing about Komen, um, about, for, for trying to build programs that support that piece on the ground in communities.
0: Well,
1: we're glad the research is working. i I do want to talk about uh, something that was a little controversial, and that's when you should be screened or when you should not be screened um, causing a bit of a stir there
4: uh, yeah, and it's confusing for women and it's not it, you know that's our focus is we want to make sure people have the information they need to make good decisions and and it's It's frustrating when that has become more and more um, uh, fuzzy for people and then might drive them to not not even have a screening um. Coleman isn't in the guideline making business. So, you know, we could go put a lot of money and, and fundraising into, you know, coming up with a new guideline that we think is clearer. But instead what we've done and our CEO has done on a national level is try and convene all these different organizations who have different ages that they think you should begin screening. And our focus is to take that focus off of age. Because age is only one risk factor. If you go to the Komen.org website, we have a huge breakdown of all the different risk factors and you know how big of risk factors they are and how sound the research is behind them. And age is one of many, many, many listed. Um, personal history, uh, personal risk factors, family history and family risk factors, um, environmental risk factors, there's all kinds of things that go into whether you should be screened. And age is a big important piece because age tells us when a mammogram is more likely to work well and find something for you based on just what your body's like at that age. But it is not the only thing, and we're really doing a disservice to women by just telling them, you know, get screened at 40 when, based on someone's personal history, or 50, which is part of the problem, based on someone's personal history, they might need to get screened and with a different kind of screening maybe at 35 or 30.
2: Julie, wow, lots of great information, things that we had not heard until today and that we were able to share with our audience. So thank you for for giving us your perspective and sharing all that knowledge.
4: Absolutely. Thanks for having us and all that you guys do to support us. We really appreciate it. We really need that community involvement and it makes a big difference. So thank you.
0: You know, when we were at Giamarco's Italian restaurant several weeks ago for our very first Meet the Moms of MomCast event, we had such a good time, we kind of want to relive that moment, so we interviewed several of you on different topics. Here's what you had to say.
1: Just your first name is fine. Robin
0: from Gahanna, Ohio.
1: All right, Robin, have you ever had to apologize to your
0: children? I am sure that I have had to apologize to my children. Um... I would imagine that, um, you know, I've heard a story one way about things happening, and then once I get all the pieces together, it kind of goes a different way. I have two sons, so I'm sure if I listen to one of them, I get one story, listen to the other one, and then once I find it out, I have to
1: say, sorry, I messed up. <laughs> now, do you think it's important for moms, dads, to apologize to their kids?
0: Absolutely. It's important for any adult to apologize to their kids. I mean, it's how we teach them about everyone makes mistakes, and we learn from them and move forward. Uh, Jeff Gray, Westerville, Ohio.
1: How did your kids react when you apologize?
0: Okay, Dad. Thanks. <laughs> Goodbye.
1: Would <laughs> you think they'll get it later?
0: No, I think they got it. They they got it, you know. And but being kids, being boys, it's like okay, whatever, Dad. You know. And, and but it, but you could tell by their actions afterwards that they got it. You know that it, it meant something to them. And that's one of our favorite parts about doing the show, hearing from all of you. So search us on Facebook or on Twitter and even on Instagram now. And leave us your comments, some issues you want to talk about or advice for us as well.
2: Thanks for joining us this week. As always, we hope you have a great rest of it. And we will talk to you next time here on the MomCast.